life ever thrown you a curveball that you weren't sure what to do with? You know, the kind where you think someone should really do something about this. Have you ever thought maybe that someone is me and then found yourself on a grand adventure you never saw coming? Me too. As a special needs mom, I have been saddened by what's available to my son. But instead of wallowing in it, I decided to do something about it. Along the way, I'm meeting extraordinary people and having the most wonderful experiences I never thought I'd have. I'm so inspired by what's happening around me that I want to share it all with you. Living Your Legacy is a community where ordinary people who have been called to create something bigger than themselves can come together to be inspired, connect, learn, and live into the legacies they want to see in the world. I'm your host, Michelle Slaney Travato, and this is the Living Your Legacy podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Living Your Legacy podcast. I'm here today with an amazing friend of mine to talk a little bit about one of the areas of developing your legacy that's so important. We know that anytime you put goals in front of yourself, there are multifaceted approaches to things you need to be taken care of in order to achieve that goal optimally. And in previous episodes, we've talked about money, we've talked about mindset, we've talked about gratitude. Today, we're going to talk about your physical health and how that has an impact on your ability to be able to strive for and achieve the goals you put in front of you. And today, I happen to have an amazing friend on who is both an extraordinary guy and really skilled at physical health. But he's got a cool story how he got here and where he's hoping to go with things. So he is both his own legacy maker and a professional who supports other people who are wanting to create their legacies. And we're going to delve into that today. So I'd like to introduce you to my friend, Sean Alt. Sean is a veteran of the health and fitness industry, having accumulated over 20,000 hours of one-on-one and small group coaching experience over the past 15 years. Now that's dedication. He specializes in helping busy people conquer their bucket list adventures and get in amazing shape without flipping their lives upside down in the process. And don't we all want more of that? Like to have awesomeness, but not have to flip our lives upside down to get it? In 2022, Sean was featured as one of Canada's top fitness trainers by Impact Magazine. And I am so excited to have him here as he is also embarking on a new adventure in his life. Sean, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Michelle. It is such a treat to be here. So, Sean, tell us your story, because, you know, when you're in grade four and the teacher says to you, what do you want to be when you grow up? Being a fitness trainer and a coach is not in the top 10. I don't even know if it would make it to the top 100. So how did you get there? What was the journey that got you there? Well, if you had asked, I honestly don't even remember what my answer would have been all the way back in grade four, but it definitely wasn't uh, a fitness professional of any kind. And in fact, I can tell you exactly when that did happen, which was in grade 12. Um, But prior to that, uh, basically from grade eight up until the start of grade 12, I would have said, I'm going to be a professional musician. I'm going to be a professional saxophone player. Um, The music is the family business. I am one of the only people in my family that is not a professional musician. Uh, So that was the path that I thought I was on. 
But when I got to grade 12, I took a class that was called exercise science. And uh, that is basically where my my path forked. And I, I found this new branch that I didn't previously know knew existed on my, my life journey and uh, dove headfirst down that. Basically, I started learning about the human body, became fascinated by it and by the you know, adaptation machine that it is and uh, went all in and you know, studied kinesiology university through a much of my university career. I had been under the impression that I, what I wanted to do was become a physical therapist. In my fourth year, I was lucky enough to be selected for an athletic therapy placement with the varsity track and field team at my university. And through that experience, I learned that I didn't only want to work with people when they were at their lowest point, um, when they were injured, when they were coming back from injury. Um, you know, it's a, a skill set I'm very thankful to have had the opportunity to develop during that time and continue to develop. But I learned that I also wanted to be able to be there with people when they were celebrating the highs as well. So to be able to take someone from that from that low point of either you know no fit, low fit, injured, what have you, up until to the point where they're they're celebrating the things that they're able to do physically with their body. I love that. Now, do tell. Do you still play the saxophone? I have not touched a saxophone in fourteen years. But I'm guessing you, if you picked one up, you could probably make it make some nice sounds. Uh, pr- presumably, yes. My my officer would probably come back reasonably quickly. <laughs> awesome. I love that. Um, and I love those discoveries that you made along the way. The path you thought you were going to be on turned out to not be the path you were on at all. And then the next path you thought you were going to be on wasn't exactly the right fit for you. It's kind of like Goldilocks and the three bears, right? The first bed wasn't comfortable enough. It just wasn't the right fit at all. And the second bed was okay, but not exactly the right fit. And the third bed was picture perfect. And that's the one you chose. Uh, and I love that. And of course, that connects so much to legacy because so much of what we envision we're going to do may not actually end up being the thing we do as we get into it and start discovering things. So tell us a little bit about your experiences as you started your journey into being a fitness professional and where what passions you discovered along the way there. Okay, this this has the potential to be a long story, but I'll try and keep it to the the relatively abridged version for for now, and then we can dig into different sections if we want to. Um, but when I first started as a fitness professional, so coming out of my experience with the athletic therapy placement, um, I decided to go and get myself certified as a personal trainer. And my first job as a personal trainer was working at a small uh, private studio in Leslieville in Toronto. And during my time there, I was lucky enough to work with a a number of different people from differing walks of life, Um, people that were, you know, just training for general health, people that were training specifically for athletic adventure, um, as well as the ensemble for the Canadian Opera Company. So that was, uh, you know, a bit of a unique experience where I got to bring my my projected path from from younger years together with the, the current path that I was on. And uh, yeah, I got to work with the, the ensemble for the Canadian Opera Company on their, their physical health and helping them be lighter on their feet because the acoustics in the Opera House in Toronto, the Four Seasons Centre, are so good that that actually was a concern. They didn't want the performers stamping around on stage because it would actually 
reverberate through the whole place. The acoustics were so good. So that, that was where I started as a, you know, a one-on-one fitness professional. Um, coming out of that, I, I went to work for one of the big box gyms. I worked for Good Life for a number of years. I worked for them for somewhere between four and five years as a fitness manager. So fitness manager is basically a fancy way of saying head personal trainer. Um, I would oversee the recruitment, the onboarding, the development of other personal trainers while I was still taking personal training clients myself. Uh, So I did that up until late 2014 when I moved to British Columbia. When I moved to British Columbia, I started working with uh, an amazing personal training company called Innovative Fitness. I came on board with them as, as a manager and you know their uh, their philosophy, their their ethos is basically in getting people excited about the things that their body is capable of doing. Less about um, you know weight loss or or those types of transformations. More about celebrating. Look what my body can do. Look what I'm capable of. I never dreamed that I would be able to to accomplish such amazing feats. And um, you know, very very recently, just in uh, you know the last few months. I've um, branched out on my own and I'm fulfilling a long-term goal of, of my own, which is uh, working with people on their health and their fitness one-on-one in an online format uh, because being online enables me to expand my reach and work with people from uh, a wide variety of walks of life in different places or around the country or even around the world. Uh, those are some uh, awesome kinds of stories. Uh, now, Walk us through, for those of us who either are in the no fitness or low fitness area, what like a fitness adventure would actually be? Because most of us think that's the adventure just climbing the stairs to get upstairs. So what does that mean in your universe? Well, it's a highly individualized question, Michelle. And, you know, this is one of those things where when I first start working with someone, oftentimes they they may have something in mind that they want to do. Or they may just have this general feeling that there's more that I want to do. There's more that I want to experience. I'm just not quite sure exactly what that is. And sometimes our own self-limiting beliefs can be the things that are in the way, right? We may we may have this thing tickling the back of our mind that we've always wanted to do, but without the belief that we're capable of it, we don't actually allow ourselves to, to really sink into that dream or, or into that goal, right? Um, so for, for people, this can be something like, you know, I, I just want to be able to, to run my first 5k, mm-hmm. right. For for other people, it might be, you know, I, I want to run a marathon or a triathlon or a, an ultra marathon, or I want to go climb a mountain, right. Um, where we are here in BC, a lot of the times people would come and say, you know, I want to be able to ski every day of the, the winter holiday and not get myself injured or not feel like I am just absolutely destroyed at the end of each day. Mm-hmm. Right? So it, um, it, it, it scales based on where you're at right now. And I can tell you where, where I was when I first moved to BC, even though I came from, you know, the fitness industry was an experienced coach. A lot of the time that I had spent was focused in the gym and that was an environment I was very comfortable in where I was less comfortable at that time was challenging myself and really pushing myself out in the great outdoors. And, you know, even just running my first trail race, which was only seven K was, and I say only in, in air quotes at this point, um, because that was, you know, monumental for me at the time. That was a hugely intimidating thing to do. Um, 
you know, especially, especially for someone who was a fitness professional and was, you know, expected to have a certain level of fitness and like, oh, that should be a cakewalk. Uh, so I, I felt a little bit of extra pressure going into that one to, to perform at a certain level. And, you know, was I smoked at the end of it? Yes, absolutely. Uh, that was a significant for ch- a challenge for me at that time. Now, you know, flash forward seven years later, and I recently completed my first ultra marathon, right? 50K up and over both Whistler and Blackcomb Mountains, right? And that was a big task for me now, like a, a few months ago when I did that. And if you had asked me or suggested that that would be something that I would do or that, God forbid, I would enjoy doing way back when I was considering that first 7K, I would have said absolutely no chance. Yeah. Wow. That that's quite the that's quite the feat right there. So congrats on that one. Yeah, thank and, you uh, so much. Having been to both Whistler and Blackcomb Mountains, I could not see very many people running up and down both. But hey, good for you for doing that. I think that's awesome. Um, I think most of us would be on the gondola waving at you while you're doing it. That's incredible. And I love how you talked about the vision that you set for yourself. And that first goal of the 7K was so daunting. Uh, You know, you were thinking, I'm used to life in this one environment. Now I'm going into a whole new area and arena and I I need to up my game. And this is a bit, this is a bit challenging and scary, but you did it. And I'm sure you prepared for it and, you know, then did it. And then you look at the next one and the next one. So now, of course, having completed your ultra marathon, when you look back at that 7K, that now in retrospect is a cakewalk um, Absolutely. for you, right? And I love how that all ties in together because you didn't start out saying, I'm going to do this huge, ginormous thing that requires climbing and going down the sides of two very large mountains. I'm going to instead do this other thing that's that's that little bit beyond where I am, but still attainable if I work toward it. And then working towards the next one and the next one to get you there. So, Sean, I want to talk a little bit about how all that connects to developing someone's legacy. So let's just do a hypothetical. You know, uh, someone in there, say a gentleman in his mid-30s, has decided that he wants to switch jobs. He wants to move from this job that's draining the life out of him into that job. You know, you talked about the niggling little idea in the back of your head. There's this this idea that he's got in his mind of this job, this dream job that he would like to like to achieve in his life. Walk us through how fitness would connect to that, uh, because I think that that's an important connection for our audience to have and to hear. Absolutely. And for me, the biggest thing that it comes down to is confidence and belief in yourself, right? When, when you go through a structured progressive fitness program, you learn and discover firsthand that you are capable of growth. You are capable of getting stronger. You are capable of getting faster. You are capable of affecting your own reality. Right. When when you are able to see the connection between the actions you take on a daily basis and a very real physical change in the form of your own body, your own capacity, uh, it, it does amazing things for your for your mind and for your mental well-being. Right. And with that increased confidence, that increased belief in yourself, 
um, comes a greater willingness to continue stepping outside of your comfort zone in larger leaps and bounds, right? Because we know that as we, the only way to grow our comfort zone is to progressively step farther and farther outside of it. And as we take each step outside of our comfort zone, our comfort zone then expands to include that area where we just stepped into, mm-hmm. right? So I think it's a, a general um, self-empowerment journey that that fitness is able to provide people with that then spills over into just about every other area of their lives. Absolutely. Uh, you're so You're so right about that. And I think... Um, I love what you said about how it creates a confidence in yourself because your own personal fitness is about you and your body and what you can work with your body to achieve. And if you start thinking, well, if my body can do this thing that I didn't think it could do, imagine what I could do in other areas of my life that I didn't think I could do. Uh, When you feel stronger in one area, the spillover to another area is so... It's so easy to make that move, that shift to say, okay, well, I can learn. I can grow. I can stretch literally and figuratively. I can be a better person in this arena. So maybe I could be better in this other arena. And in today's day and age, especially post-COVID, there's a lot of discussion around mental health and how physicality gets connected with mental health. So maybe you could address a little bit of that too. I'm sure there's research and statistics and all kinds of interesting things, but what's your take on that? My take is that um, when we're talking about the correlation between physical health and mental health, there are so many different things that that we can talk about here. And, you know, for, for simplicity's sake, there's a couple of things that we can just dive right into. One is with increased cardiovascular fitness comes increased uh, cognitive power, right? So there have been multiple studies that have been done that have found that people that exercise their cardiovascular systems regularly have higher levels of cognitive function. Right. And we know that, you know, mental health is uh, affected by a number of things. But obviously, if we're able to have better mental clarity, it provides us uh, a better position to be able to recognize and be mindful of the things that we are experiencing at any given moment. Right. So it's not to say that uh, physical health directly creates better mental health, but I believe it creates more of an opportunity to create that environment. Um, If we look at in the field of nutrition and nutrition research, we know that the foods that we take into our body have a tremendous impact on our mental health, largely due to the relationship between gut health and mental health. So there are a couple of feedback loops within the body's nervous system that uh, transmit both ways. So the brain can impact the gut and the gut can impact the brain. Um, you know, Many people have taken to referring to the gut as the body's second brain. There are those out there who have taken it a step further and are, you know, stipulating that perhaps we have that backwards. It may, in fact, be that the gut is the first brain and the the, the brain is the second brain. Um, but really, you know, the the balance and the health of our gut is interpreted by our nervous system. And when we experience things like GI upset or you know that feeling of butterflies, our brain interprets that as distress and kicks in, you know, fight or flight mode or anxiety or whatever you want to call it. And it then sends a signal from the brain to the gut 
to create that sensation of butterflies and, you know, all those physical sensations that we feel when we're feeling stressed, right? Um, so we can see how that can become a bit of a perpetual motion machine where it just feeds itself and feeds itself and feeds itself. How, you know, feeling that feeling of anxiety creates uh, GI distress, that feeling of GI distress creates more anxiety and so on and so forth, right? So that GI distress, if it's caused by, you know, something going on in, in the mind, that's one thing. But if we're experiencing that as a result of inadequate nutrients or improper balance of our nutrients or just not taking care of like the which foods we're taking into our body, we can experience a lot of those same sensations and trigger that same negative feedback loop within the body. So a lot of people find that when they you know, improve their nutrition and really focus on their gut health as, as one of the primary thoughts in terms of, you know, are you getting adequate fiber? Are you getting adequate probiotics and prebiotics in your diet? Are you creating a, a healthy microbiome is what we refer to it as. Um, that has tremendously positive impacts on the mental health just by helping to, to start to shut down some of that negative feedback loop that can be happening. That's so interesting. I hadn't thought about that before. I mean, I, I knew a little bit about gut health, but to think about how one that your gut health can impact your ability to think clearly or to see situations differently because of how your body feels. That's so important. And that's true because when you're not feeling well, well, life just is kind of sucky. And, you know, it's because your body doesn't feel good. So you don't feel good handling the things that are in front of you. Whereas if you're feeling good, you had a good night's sleep, you know, the sun is shining, you just feel so much better and you're able to handle things in a different light. Um, and so, sorry, so important. Yeah. And if we, if we take that, you know, one step farther and go back to our question of, you know, the, the physical side of things, we talked a little bit about the, the cardiovascular training and cardiovascular fitness and how that can have a positive impact on our mental well-being, let's expand that thought and that thought about the, the gut health into you know our, our joint health and our muscle health and the psychological implications that you know someone that is living in chronic pain or someone that is concerned that they they don't have the physical capability to to go about the their daily tasks or the things that are needed of them, um, whether that's to support themselves or to support somebody else, well that creates that negative thought pattern. And that if thought pattern triggers the the feelings in the gut, the butterflies, all of that that we were feeling a bit earlier, right? And again, can trigger that negative feedback loop. So whether it's the, the gut health specifically, or whether it's the the physicality impacting our cognitive, you know, reasoning and thinking, you know, are we hung up on negative thoughts about our own body? Again, there are so many different avenues that can trigger that negative feedback loop that when we train physically and when we take care of our proper nutrition, again, just helps to in, inhibit those pathways or, or prevent those, those feedback loops from happening. Yeah, so much to sort of pull apart there. And I'm sure there's tons of research and YouTube videos on all of that and, and how that can work together. So what I would like to do is switch gears slightly mm -hmm. and talk a little bit about, we think about exercises being in the gym. Mm -hmm. I want to talk a little bit to you about the idea of exercising outdoors, because um, I know that that's something near and dear to you. And there is certainly something to be said. I mean, people say all the time, go smell the roses. Well, most of them grow outdoors. So let's talk a little bit about that, about the connection between physical and mental health and the great outdoors. Absolutely. Um, where would you like to start? 
Well, I think maybe your take on the connection between the two would be great. Sure. Absolutely. So, uh, I mean, we can look at this from the scientific literature. We can look at this through anecdotal experience, starting anecdotally. Um, you know, my wife will be the first person to put her hand up and say, uh, Sean is a much more pleasant person when he gets adequate nature time. <laughs> right. Um, the, the old, like, uh, you know, you're bugging me, go take a hike. Mm-hmm. Well, that comes from somewhere. Right. Because when you when you go for a hike, you you come back a better, more, you know, balanced, level headed person. And there are a, a number of different reasons that that happens. And, you know, there is a growing body of scientific literature to support this. Um, you know, Western research is is just starting to, to dig into this relationship. Um, you know, Eastern research is uh, m- there's much more foundation in in that field um the japanese refer to it as shinrin yoku uh which translates to forest bathing Mm -hmm. Uh, so just spending time in nature uh in in the woods in green spaces in particular Mm -hmm. uh, has been you know scientifically shown to have positive impacts on on our mental well-being and and on our overall physical health and again there are a number of different reasons that that we can say that this happens part of it is you know removing yourself from the stress of everyday life going out into nature, leaving behind the, the the constant pings and alerts and dings of emails and cell phones and, and that kind of stuff. Right. Um, but there's also, you know, circling back to that idea of gut health, there are good microbes, good bacteria that live in the forest, um, in those very green, very wooded, uh, very nutrient rich soil and earth environments that when we spend adequate time there, we actually breathe in those good quality microbes into our body. And again, they have the opportunity to, to do their magical stuff inside because, I mean, human beings, we evolved in nature, right? It's the, you know, industrial revolution living in these, you know, metropolises, that type of thing. In the, you know, if we look at the length of human beings on planet Earth, that's, that's relatively new. We haven't actually evolved to live in that environment. We evolved to live symbiotically with nature, with those green spaces. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our bodies actually thrives more effectively in those spaces compared to in the, the cities that we've built. Interesting. I didn't know that about the microbiome of the forest and how mm-hmm. just by breathing that in on a regular basis can help um, your body to do all the amazing things that our bodies can do. I did not know that. Although I do know the air smells different when you're walking around in a forest than anywhere mm-hmm. else. That's for sure. It smells, I don't know, fresher, cleaner. Or rich. <laughs> there you go. That's how I'll describe it that way from now on. Um, so I do love that. And I love how you have connected to this idea of exercise in nature, because the reality is for some people, the idea of going to the gym is very daunting. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea of using a whole bunch of different machinery that you're unfamiliar with is also daunting, a bit scary, maybe a little overwhelming. Uh, the idea of being around the beautiful people who have the perfectly sculpted bodies who are standing there next to you and you're like, mm, don't look at me, can be very daunting. Um, but when you go out in nature, it doesn't always feel the same. It doesn't feel like I'm out exercising. You know, people will say I went for a walk for an hour in the forest they're not saying I lifted X amount of weights or I did this many push-ups or any of that stuff. So it has a very different kind of flavor and feeling to it. 
So it might be easy for people to dismiss that as being, I don't know, less exercising, for lack of a better term, than going to the gym. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it doesn't have sort of the same connotations as going to the gym. It's maybe a little less, quote unquote, formal exercise, right, And as how we think of it. Um, or, you know, uh, we might sort of set aside the word working out and exchange that for, you know, going for a hike or just going for a walk or spending time, right? Um, and, you know, there's something to be said for the power of what in the industry is referred to as NEPA, N-E-P-A, non-exercise physical activity. Um, because the reality is exercise accounts for such a small portion, like structured exercise accounts for such a small portion of even the most avid fitness enthusiast's life. If we look at like the grand scope of how many hours in a day, how many hours in a week, how much time are you spending doing that versus everything else, right? The bigger determinant of your overall health and well-being is going to be how much activity do you get in your daily life versus how much structured exercise do you get? Oh, that's such a good distinction. I really like that. So let's explore that a little further. Mm -hmm. Assuming that some of our listeners maybe are not gym goers Mm -hmm. and would like to, now that they're hearing all of this from you and they're thinking, yep, I need to do something more to help me, you know, physically get a little bit stronger, mentally get a little bit stronger. Uh, I should really be getting outdoors more. What are, say, three different things that people can do, assuming they're not super physically fit? So they're in the, like, not fit or didn't know I should be fit, although you yep. have to be living under a rock to not know that. Um, but, you know, not really all that fit. Yep. But hearing what you're saying, thinking I'm a bit inspired by this, what are three things that they can do in terms of getting outdoors, no matter where they are? Mm-hmm. That would be like three sort of consistent things that they could do that would would truly help move the, the needle a little bit forward for them. Well, I'll tell you the number one thing that I recommend for for just about everyone that I work with and everyone that I speak to, mm-hmm. which is just walk more. Assuming you have the the capability of walking, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if If you are ambulatory on your own. That is the simplest and one of the most effective things you can do to improve your your overall health and well-being is just spend more time walking. And for for me, the way that I get this in is in the form of my daily lunchtime walk. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is, you know, I'm, I'm lucky enough to work from home, as is my wife. Uh, and every day we take our lunch break together and we go for a 30-minute walk, right? And then we come back and we have our lunch. Now, is that the only physical activity I get in my day? No. But that is a, a consistent, that is a mainstay, and that is something that a surprising number of people don't get, right? Oftentimes people, especially since the, the work from home, you know, shift has happened, we get less non-exercise physical activity than we used to, right? We used to get a lot of walking, even if it was just walking to the car, walking from the car to the office, walking from the front door of the office to your desk walking from your desk to the water cooler, to the bathroom, to down the hall, to chat with Frank about the, the report that's due or, or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Now, what do we do? We sit at our desk, we, we hop on Zoom, or we pick up the phone. And we right? walk to the kitchen. And we walk to the kitchen, which is often, you know, 20 paces or less away. Mm-hmm. And walk to the bathroom, which is probably closer than it was in, in our physical office, mm-hmm. right? Um, and But we lose all of that commuting walking. We lose all of that just general through the day walking. Right. Um, so making a point of getting up and going out uh, and just taking a walk every day 
can have a tremendously positive impact for sure. Um, I mean, other things that again, sort of depend on your, your preferences, your likes, uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of going for a bike ride mm -hmm. and again, just being purposeful and, and mindful to, to incorporate that in sometimes people, you know, the, the only time they'll go for a bike ride is if it's, you know, planned and it's, it's a Saturday, we're going for a bike ride today, that type of thing. Right. Um, can, can you walk or can you ride your bike to, to do, to pick up the couple of groceries that you need for tonight's dinner, right? Maybe you're not doing like a, a massive weekly shop, mm -hmm. but maybe you can, you can, you know, just go out when you're running little errands around town, hop on the bike, go for a walk, that type of thing instead, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, going for a swim, right? All, all these things that we honestly think about what you used to do when you were a kid, be a kid. Right. That's, that's, that's kind of the, the simplest way to put it. If we're looking for some of the easiest, most accessible things for the majority of adults, mm -hmm. right. Those activities that we enjoyed when we were younger, go do that. Right. The, the other thing that I'll often encourage people to do is, uh, you know, a, a lot of people, not everyone, a lot of people played some kind of sport growing up. <laughs> right. Is there a, a pickup league or a, a drop-in league or, you know, can you sign up on a Thursday night to, to go play, right? And just incorporate a little bit more activity into your life that way in, in a form that you have always enjoyed and always loved, right? Because mm -hmm. exercise doesn't feel like exercise when we're having a good time. That's right. Thank you for being a part of the Living Your Legacy podcast community in 2022. We can honestly say 2023 is going to be an exciting year. We've got some new things going on that we'd like to share with you. The Living Your Legacy podcast is now offering advertising spots. We found many entrepreneurs spent lots of money on advertising last year, only to find that they weren't falling in front of their ideal audience. We'd love to help you get your message out. Let's discuss this. Click the link in the show notes to book a time to chat and see if this could be a good fit for you. So that's, that's, that's four things, but uh, does, does that answer your question a little bit? It there? does. I'd like to explore the walking thing a mm. little more. Um, you are right with uh, COVID and the shift that's happened in the world. There is far more tech time and less time doing other things. Uh, one of the thoughts that came to me as you were talking was, what if you could take one of the calls you need to do during the day while on a walk? Assuming you don't have to take notes, and frankly, you could stop and type notes on your phone. Yeah. Um, but what if you took that call on a walk? Awesome. Or um, in terms of your neighborhood, uh, is there someone, maybe an elderly person with a dog who can't walk their dog? Maybe you mm -hmm. could support your neighbor by showing up and saying, hey, can I take Fido out for a little stroll around the neighborhood? Um, you know, again, that touches on so many areas that are great for someone's mental health. You're moving your body. You're helping someone that always makes you feel good. You're building and forging those neighborly connections in your neighbor, you, neighborhood. You can do it from a social distance if you need to, right? All those kinds of things. Maybe uh, lots of people took to getting pets over the course of COVID. Can you walk your pet a little more? Yeah. Um, is there a way to structure that into your day. And by taking a walk, Sean, you're not talking about like an hour and a half about their hoofing at power walking, right? What are you referring to? I'm just talking about spending more time on your feet moving. 
more more than anything, right? Uh, now, if if you wanted to up the ante a little bit, then yeah, go go for a bit of a power walk, get your heart rate up, get yourself huffing and puffing a little bit. But the you know that that at that point we would call that exercise, right? And what we were talking about a moment ago is getting more non-exercise physical activity in your day, right? Just moving your body on a regular basis. And you know, I I love the the point that you brought up about taking you know a, a call while walking. That's something that I do regularly. Um, even, even if I'm at home, if, even if I'm in my office, if I'm on the phone, usually I've got my headset on and I'm just pacing back and forth in my office. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll give you an example right now, but right now I'm at a standing desk and you know, if someone's watching the, the, the video recording of this, they'll probably figure that out. But for the people that are just listening, uh, you would have no idea, but I'm standing here, uh, you know, shifting my weight around, moving weight from one foot to the other constantly. Um, not something I'm really consciously thinking about, but something that over time I've built into my routine. And if you spend all day sitting at your desk right now, I would recommend doing a full swing and all of a sudden trying to sp- you, like spend all day every day at a standing desk. Um, you know, small progressive changes over time are are what the body is is that thrives most with. Um, so for me, when when COVID hit, you know, the, the commitment that I made was I'm going to take all of my calls standing, whether that's walking while I'm on the phone or whether that's standing while I'm on a Zoom. And over time, that has just increased and increased and increased. And now I spend virtually all of my working hours standing unless there's like some really, really deep thinking cognitive work that I need to do, in which case then I might sit down to, to just allow my body to rest so I can really focus on what my mind is doing. Mm-hmm. And there's some research to support that as well, that, you know, the, the more routine mundane tasks are very easy to, to perform at a standing desk or, or, you know, in a standing position versus the deeper, more cognitive. If you're a knowledge worker and doing a lot of like applied mathematics or an engineer doing your calculations or that type of stuff. Yeah. Maybe you would want to sit down for, for those parts. Mm-hmm. I think that that's, that's pretty awesome. And again, looking at how you can work that into your day um, being a parent, uh, you know, my kids love to get out outside. Um, and so saying to your kid, Hey, let's throw on our coats and go for a stroll or take the dog for a walk. Or, um, why don't you ride your bike and I'll walk the dog is also a great idea. And that's a great family time, a great place to be creating some memories. And maybe your family is part of the legacy that you're looking to focus on. And so that's a great opportunity or to connect with your spouse or partner. Um, You know, I, I live quite far from my family, much like you, Sean. And so I would take calls from my mom who lives clear across the country and go walk the dog at the same time. So I feel very accomplished by the end of that half an hour, 45 minutes, because my dog's gotten some exercise. I've gotten some exercise and I was working on a relationship that's important to me all at the same time. And so in one hour, you know, it's literally three birds with one stone. And so I think looking at how we can incorporate these things in an easier uh, way that doesn't have to be so intimidating because going to the gym in air quotes again can be so intimidating for people um, that if we start by building up a little bit of resilience, building up a little bit of tolerance, you're right, getting your heart rate up a little bit, um, you know, getting out into a biome that's different than the one in your house, um, you know, can really make a difference. And then, of course, that clarity of thinking that you get from that can allow you to not just, you know, 
execute the plan you create for your own legacy. But I often find when I'm out walking the dog and often I'll listen to a podcast or like I said, talk to my mom, um, some of my best ideas come then that I, cause I'm not focused on it. It's just kind of been percolating in the back of my mind. And all of a sudden I'll have this little gem and I'm like, Oh wow, that was awesome. Where did that come from? But it's because yeah. you're, you're focused in another area and another facet of your life versus oh, I really need to stay focused on this goal I'm working towards. <laughs> and it can be so amazing when those happen, right? Because you're freeing your mind while you're working on your body. Ab- absolutely, right? And I I heard someone once refer to meditation as, you know, focusing the front of the mind on a mundane task so that the back of the mind is free to to percolate and work on all of those other things that that you haven't been able to work through with the front of your mind, right? <laughs> Um, and oftentimes walking at, while even multitasking, like you're talking about, while having a conversation with somebody else, while keeping an eye on the dog, again, you're, you're, you're moving, you're getting the blood flowing and you're also occupying the front of the mind with these somewhat mundane tasks that are, you know, relatively easy to manage while the back of the mind is free to just work on all of those, those bigger life goal type stuff. Love that. Yep. And, you know, of course that connects into legacy because lots of times the vision that we have for our legacy is something um, pretty big and we're not really sure what the path is that's going to take us to that legacy or frankly, whether at the end of it all, we're going to end up in that place we thought we were going to end up or like you and me and many others, there's going to be a fork in the road and we're going to take a different path than we even knew existed before we started all this. And so I think that that's super important because if we take care of ourselves, it's essentially filling our own cups, which allows us to then fill the cups of the people around us, allows us to fill the cup of our legacy and put more energy and effort in toward it and just like you're saying, the exercise piece doesn't have to be super time consuming and really hard and scary. It can just simply be that little shift in your thinking to start to say, I am just going to put on my coat or not. If you're in a lovely sunny area, that's warm. I'm just going to put on my shoes and I'm going to go head out the door and I'm going to go maybe explore or I you know, I need some milk. I'm going to walk down to the corner store to get it instead of getting in my car. Or, you know, I've got that bike that's been sitting in the garage for a while. Maybe I should dust that thing off and, and see if it still works and and get out there and, and get on it for a little bit and see because of all of the amazing things that can happen to you, your body and your life as you do that. Um, I love those suggestions. Those are great um, for sure. So, Sean, tell us a little bit now about the legacy you're living into and what you've started and kind of who you're working with and who you'd like to be connected with around all this. Awesome. Um, so my mission is to empower others, right, with the with the tools and the skills to really live their best life, to, to live a life that is fulfilling to them. And for me, a big part of that equation is physical health and wellness and spending more time in the great outdoors based on all of the great things that that we've already talked about and the the impacts that that has on one's well-being both physical and mental um and you know accomplishing great things that they can be proud of and tell stories about and remember for many 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 years to come right because the reality is for most people you know when we're when we're 
at the age of retirement or or beyond and reflecting on our lives very few people and there are there are books that have been written on this subject there's research that's been written there's almost nobody that says i wish i had worked more uh-huh that's the uh, truth <laughs> it's it's always i wish i had given myself permission to be true to to my vision for myself to my goals I wish I had spent more time with the people that are important to me that I care about. They care about me. Um, you know, I wish I had gone on that trip or taken that adventure that, that I had always dreamed of and just never made a priority because I was always prioritizing my career or, you know, caregiving for others or, or what have you. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so for me, it's, it's all about helping more people live that life that they reflect back on and makes them smile and makes them proud and makes them proud to tell us the stories about, right? Mm -hmm. um, because that in turn will inspire others to do the same, right? Because there, to me, there's nothing worse than looking back on your life and feeling like you are completely unfulfilled. Like you didn't do any of the things that you wanted to do or that you feel like you were meant to do. You didn't get an opportunity to, to see the places and take the trips and do the adventures that that could have added a lot of joy and, and just positivity to your life. Right. Oh, that is so beautiful. So clearly there are going to people be people along the way that are going to say, hmm, I need some more of that guy. And I clearly am one of them. Um, <laughs> love this guy. So how can people find you and reach you if they would like to know more about what you're doing or chat with you about fitness and that kind of stuff? How can people find you? Uh, there are a number of different ways. Um, the quickest and easiest way is probably via my website, which is backcountrystrength.com. Um, on my website, there's a contact us form that, uh, you know, you can plug in your, your information, ask a question and I'll circle back to you. Uh, I am on Facebook. It's my name, Sean Alt, A-L-L-T. And it's a, the Irish S-E-A-N spelling um, of Sean. So you can find me there. I'm also on Instagram. Sean Alt CPT is, uh, is my Instagram handle. Love that. Um, and for those of you who say, for example, maybe out walking or driving a car or something else and cannot get this stuff written down right now, by all means, the information will be in the show notes. So do not stress or fret. We got you covered. Um, the information will be there so that you will absolutely be able to find Sean and have those conversations in case this interview wasn't enough for you. Um, he is an extraordinary conversationalist and takes a keen interest in the people that he is speaking to in order to be able to offer the best advice for sure. Sean, I want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing with us a little bit about how, I mean, just a smidgen of your knowledge, really, <laughs> about how fitness and getting more exercise into our daily lives or moving our bodies more can really change how other pieces of our lives are functioning and operating and how making those little small changes on the daily would be super useful to somebody as they're looking to make, you know, move into making bigger changes later because you got to start somewhere. So if you start with the small changes um, and you, you start finding some consistency with yourself, then, you know, it's easier to start saying, all right, well, I did that. Maybe I can take on this.
this now. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sean is a huge proponent of doing those exact things, taking the small steps to lead to the big steps. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing with us your wisdom today. It's always super exciting to hear what you're up to and uh, see how fitness can really fit with people's lives because it's kind of become a thing people think is an extra um, or has to be really hard to be, you know, worthwhile. And thank you for dispelling all of those myths for us today that show that in fact, it doesn't have to be anything horrible. Just walk out your front door. Yeah, of course. I'm, I'm so happy to, to be here speaking with you, Michelle. And if I could just expand on, on those thoughts that you just shared a little bit further. Sure. Um, I mean, you, you mentioned the the small steps first. That's so, so, so very important, right? Oftentimes when people think of implementing a fitness or a wellness routine, we think about all of the things that that need to happen to, to create that, that routine. And we sort of think like, what would the perfect routine be? And it's, you know, I'm going to go to the gym four days a week. I'm going to go for a run three days a week. I'm going to stretch every day. I'm going to do all of these things. And they try to do it all at once. Mm-hmm. And what happens is they, they, they burn out and they end up reverting back to exactly where they started. Right. Versus when you take those small incremental sustainable steps, one after the other, after the other, it never feels like you're flipping your life upside down. And so we don't experience that internal resistance that usually kicks in after a few weeks of trying to do the, the massive switch. Right. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you, you also talked about how, uh, you know, when, when we're talking about living a legacy and when we're caring for others, um, it, it can be hard because we feel like, you know, we're, we're taking time away from, from doing those things, from being a caregiver. Right. <laughs> and, you know, I would respectfully suggest that if you are a caregiver, if that is, you know, part of who you are and part of your identity, whether that be caring for children, caring for aging parents, what have you, um, fit your own physical fitness is not an extra. In, in fact, it is a moral obligation, right? If, if you have people that are depending on you, it is your moral obligation to take care of yourself so that you are able to continue caring for them. Well, that's very profound. Um, and you just made me think about, um, our, my own family. Uh, my son for a long time was in a wheelchair and, you know, it was a bit of a struggle. My younger son's very athletic and loves to be out and about and doing things. And then we had this boy in a wheelchair and how on earth do you sort of come at this? So, uh, my husband and my younger son would take their bikes and I would put my older son in the wheelchair and he and I would walk and we would just have a prearranged meeting place. And often my younger son and my husband were lapping us like they were just not laughing, but lapping, going yes. around and around us and waving at us and all this kind of stuff. But it was really nice to just get out of the house, the change of scenery, the change of, um, you know, just the time away from the stresses of all this other stuff, looking at things like we live close to the ocean here. So, you know, walking and seeing otters um, breaking open shells on the beach or seeing cranes flying around or um, seeing really strange people who are walking or riding their bikes or, you know, like dressed as a banana, which I have actually seen and not on Halloween. Um, you know, those kinds of things are the stuff of stories that, you know, you stop and you look at it and go, huh. well, that was really interesting. And I would never have seen that if I'd stayed home today. Yeah. So, you know, looking for those creative ways to be able to build in physical fitness for me 
Mm-hmm. More mental health stuff for my oldest son, because being cooped up in his wheelchair was hard on him. Um, but just that change of scenery allowed for all of those things to happen, right? And the whole family was able to accommodate that. So I, I agree with you wholeheartedly that if somebody is a caregiver looking at what creative ways can you do or use, what can you create, get online, search up, that kind of stuff to allow for more opportunities as a caregiver on either end, children and or aging parents to to do that, to get outside, to get that little bit of exercise, that little bit of walking, that little bit of um, time out of the routines that you normally have to create a new routine that everybody looks forward to is so important um, in so many different areas. And I love the way you phrase that. You're right. A moral obligation to yourself so that you can continue to commit to giving to others. Love that. Now you guys see why I just adore this guy and how awesome he is because he has these amazing thought processes that are so inspiring. And I love what you said or, or what you were suggesting about, you know, making it a family affair, right? It's, it doesn't have to be this thing where I need to carve out time by myself to, to go to the gym or to go into, you know, the cave downstairs or whatever and, and get my exercise in. Uh, you know, going back to, you know, the, the moral obligation side of things or, you know, a, a lot of the clients that I do work with are parents to young kids. And oftentimes they will say that one of the reasons that they want to get more physically active is that they want to set a good example for their kids. They want to be a good role model for the kids. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, how helpful is it if that example that you're setting is you leaving to go do your exercise and your kid is just left at home to to play with themselves with with your spouse or with the, the babysitter or whoever it is, right? Mm-hmm. Involve them in the process. Find ways that you can involve them in the process to normalize what activity and what exercise is so that they can experience it, so they can understand it, so that, oh yeah, mom or dad goes to the gym, isn't this like foreign thing to them, right? They don't mm-hmm. oftentimes kids aren't allowed in gyms just for insurance and liability reasons. Safety. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so they, they don't actually have a solid understanding of what that is, right? They know mom goes to the gym to exercise, but they don't actually know what that looks like. Mm -hmm. So how can we find ways to, to incorporate that into family time, into family life so that they gain an understanding of what exercise is and, you know, the benefits that it provides. And it just becomes a regular part of their life. Because so many of us have to try to learn to form a habit of exercise as adults Mm -hmm. um, versus if we just build that habit or that routine from a young age, we can just maintain it through the rest of our lives, which is so much easier. Such profound thoughts, Sean, and I, I love that we ended on that note around how can we include the important people around us in this so that it becomes something that instead of being an arduous task that takes us away from the people that are important to us, we can remain together, have some fun, not feel like we're in air quotes exercising, that we can feel like we're, you know, having that quality family time. Everybody's getting their heart rate up. We're having those moments that everybody remembers because you know, and I know that it's the moments that our children remember. It's the mo- we remember them with our parents, right? Those happy moments, the moments where things were kind of fun. Um, I used to never understand my dad jogged and he always ever wanted to jog one way. And so I'd have to drive out to pick him up, but then I'd get out there and he'd be like, I'm not done yet. And so I'd be crawling along in the car behind. <laughs> Thinking to myself, 
why am I even doing? And it's like, why don't you just jog back? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. He never, ever wanted to jog back. He just wanted to keep going until he didn't want to go anymore. And then he'd get in the car and we'd go home. But I do remember that, like literally crawling along behind him and him waving at me and, and like waving me away. And I, I'd be so irritated. And But now it's so funny because I think, oh, gosh, those were these memories, right? Yeah. And uh, so when we create those memories, that is part of, for many people, that legacy you want to create in your life around your family, your children. What, how do you want them to remember you? How do you want them to think about those experiences? Was it something that took you away from them or something that brought them closer to you? Such profound thoughts. And again, Sean, I really appreciate your time today and your wisdom. I love how you've taken exercise from being this big, bad, scary thing to literally as easy as putting on your shoes, opening your door and saying to someone in your house, hey, come with me. I love that you've just boiled it down to the simplest form, but it has such a profound impact. And again, the links to reach out to Sham will be in the show notes. If, if what he is saying resonates with you, I know he's open to conversations. So by all means, reach out and connect with him and see if he can answer your questions or help you uh, figure out where what your next step is going to be or simply tell you that, yes, that thing that you really wanted to do is possible if you plan for it. So by all means, reach out to him. And once again, Sean, thank you so much for your time and your wisdom and your encouragement. I truly appreciate you. It has been an absolute pleasure, Michelle. Thanks so much for having me. Does the thought of follow-up give you a foul taste? Do you find yourself wondering how you can ever stand out from the crowd, but need it to be easy and convenient? With a system like Send Out Cards, you can stay in touch and top of mind with only a few keystrokes. People's inboxes might be full, but their mailboxes are empty. Reach people literally where they live, work, or play, and watch the warm fuzzies go to work for you. See the show notes for a link where you can send your first card on me. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please submit a rating and review and share it with a friend. Together, we can inspire more people to start living their legacy too. And let's keep the conversation going. We would love to hear all about your journey in living your legacy and support you along the way. Join our Facebook community, Living Your Legacy Podcast, where we connect, collaborate, and celebrate each other. Can't wait to see you there.